0: And the truth is that when we do become a child of God we are no longer a slave to our fears but but those fears seem to dog us nevertheless over these years of pastoring one of the the things i have noticed most and and uh, have had to um, deal with often is the testimonials of brand new believers and in particular the the challenge that they face. You know, they, they will say to, to me, you know, my life wasn't um, great. And in fact, I didn't have a relationship, of course, with God through Jesus Christ. But when I became a believer, things really got rough for me. You know, friends abandoned, uh, family have treated me differently, have started distancing themselves from me. And things in general have, have kind of gone haywire for me. In fact, um, I, I've heard people say stuff like, I, I really came to realize how unpopular Jesus is and, and how much people hate Christians and, and hate the church. And frankly, I'm wondering if maybe I picked the wrong team. Now, this Christianity, um, is Christianity being a follower of Christ really the right choice in these times with rough circumstances? It, it was easier before. Well, the apostle Peter kind of writes letters to people thinking that way in the context of rough times, circumstances, difficult challenges, and the hatred toward Christianity to, to kind of answer these questions. Did we pick the wrong team? Is, is, is following Christ the right, the right way to go? Uh, my big concern uh, this morning is that somehow through my inadequacies, I will misrepresent or represent poorly the picture of the inexpressible glories of the things that uh, I've been assigned to teach you today. I, I really am. I'm. I'm really concerned about that, and I. I so desperately want to make sure that that you, um, after witnessing the text of Scripture today, are breathlessly encouraged. So. Would you pause with me right now? I really need you to pause with me and pray and really call on the Holy Spirit and ask him to enable me to bring this glorious truth to you this morning with, and, and paint the picture that Peter has painted through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that, that causes your heart to explode with joy and gratitude and and thanksgiving to the Lord. Would, would you just pray with me? Let's just pause for a few moments in quietness. Ask the Lord to do this. Oh Lord, we just, we just ask as, as this morning we have this incredible privilege of opening up your word and in a section of scripture that is so magnificent and so encouraging and so heart expanding, so strengthening, oh God. And, and I fear that uh, these stammering lips, these inadequacies will, will truly paint too poor a picture of the inexpressible glories of Jesus Christ. But Lord, I know you don't want that to happen. And I just pray that you would, you would cause your servant, enable your servant to express your heart to your people. Oh God, you have such a, a wonderful message for us today. To encourage us, to give us hope in hard times. Lord, I don't know all the various circumstances out there on online world, but you do, Lord. You know who you've you've led to turn, in, uh, turn this program on. Uh, you know uh, the various settings of the, our people, and oh God, I just pray that you would not let anything get in the way of the truth, but that our eyes would be fixed and focused on your word and the Spirit of God would so pick up our hearts and uh, encourage us and cause um, us to be strengthened so magnificently, Lord, by your word, I pray. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, you're going to need your Bibles and you're going to need to open to 1 Peter and you're going to need to get there. And I want to do a bit of a review with us and I think it's worthwhile. I think it's going to be time well spent because I think to be gripped by the picture that uh, the Lord wants us to have today, we really need to take a uh, a look back again at what what God has uh, given to Peter here for us so we catch up and so we don't miss out on on uh, the momentum that Peter gathers here in the text. It, it's incredible what he does. Uh, it's, it's almost like a kind of like a theme park, a theological theme park ride um, where you need to buckle up because Peter is taking us on an incredible journey. Uh, a journey of the story of Christianity from eternity to eternity as it relates to our lives. It kind of reminds me of about 25 years ago when I took the family, I took the kids to Hershey, Pennsylvania. In Hershey, Pennsylvania is the, um, the headquarters, the corporation, the corporate headquarters of Hershey candies, of, of Hershey kisses in particular. In fact, the, the streetlights look like Hershey kiss candies. And they got the, the silver with the loop on them, and we, we went to this uh, the, the Hershey chocolate factory, and you go on a Hershey tour of chocolate. And they buckle you into these, this thing and you go through and they, they give you snapshots of their history, which was, I think, rather boring to the kids. But, but you promise them at the end they're going to get chocolate, so they're okay with that. And, and um, it's kind of like the promise of eternity, when we're, but, but the snapshots in this case are not boring, they're incredible. Every one of them are, are just packed with something spectacular. So... In a sense, this was kind of a slow historical ride of the story of chocolate, but this is a theme park ride um, uh, of, of, of highlights and excitement, and, and you need to buckle up, and, and so I want you to do that as we kind of are introduced as fellow scattered aliens fellow scattered aliens we don't belong here we don't belong here in this earth and we're scattered and we're we're rejected and all of that but then he says but this is who we are and and I just want you to look through your text I'm not going to read the text to you but I'm just going to highlight how you go through here and as fellow scattered aliens we were first chosen before the foundation of time by God selected picked by God made alive by the Holy Spirit as we chase down through verses one and two made alive by the Holy Spirit formerly we were dead but we're made alive by the Holy Spirit that we might have sensitivity to the things of God we used to be insensitive to anything Jesus anything God anything Bible and he brings us alive and And then we're we're made able to obey Jesus and therefore be forgiven of our sins as his blood is sprinkled on us. And we are mercifully, mercifully born again, made alive and and given a living hope. uh, uh, an inheritance that 's kept by the power of God for us, and nothing can get to it and, and we 're promised as we continue to work our way down through verses five and six and seven and eight that that trials and tests are divinely managed by the living God, uh, so that our faith becomes high octane the dimmer switch is turned full up so that Jesus can praise you himself at the end of all of this. The same Jesus who died for you and and, and has become the eternally wounded God, not some untouchable God who who allows us to go through tests and trials but he's never experienced them himself. No, we uh, serve a eternally wounded God who has nail prints in his hands and, and in his side and in his feet. And we stop for a moment and look at the picture of loving him with all of our hearts and and deeply loving him and trusting him even though we can't see him. We live by faith and not by sight. And as a result, we are getting the, 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 we're receiving the goal of our faith The salvation of our souls. But there's more to it that because he has set our heart free. As we move down to verses 13 and 14 and 15, he set our hearts free. He's enabled us because of that to switch from addictions to evil desires to righteous ones and and to, to become entirely usable by God. Holy people. And because he paid so much, because of the great expense, uh, the blood of Christ by which he purchased us, he doesn't let us get away with anything. He continues to, to watch over our lives and, and, and gets rid of the destructible things that come into our lives. And our obedience to him, verses 22 and 23, our obedience to him results in great love for the brothers and sisters of Christ, in Christ. And as we uh, love him more and as we get to know him more, our love becomes deeper for him. As we crave the word of God, our love for our brothers and sisters deepens and we develop an insatiable taste for Jesus Christ because he is good. This is the ride he takes us on and then he brings us to the text. So how, how can I know the text that we're gonna look at this morning, which is chapter two, verses four to 10. How can I know... I mean, I know that it's a rough time, and I know that the landscape's tough, but Peter wants us to know that there's so much more that we haven't yet even considered about what's really going on, about who we are, about what the church is. And we find out that the sort of the center of the text we're going to look at today is that God... And you you we hadn't been encountered this yet. We don't we had we didn't know this yet, but God is building a spiritual house of which we are inhabitants, and he's an inhabitant, and, and it drives us to this amazing picture of the glories of the Church of Jesus Christ. So let's look at the text together. 1 P- Peter 2, verses 4. I, I want to start at verse uh, 2, though, uh, and go to verse 10. Like newborn babies, crave fewer spiritual milk, meaning the word of God, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. By it you may grow up in your salvation. You can't grow up in your salvation absent nourishing yourself in the word of God. And the more you nourish yourself in the word of God, you more grow up in your salvation. The more you grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good from his word. And as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood The stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people or a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, I can't stop reading. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Wow. This is the word of God. Powerful, powerful stuff. So what is your expectation of church? What is your expectation of who we are what does the church think it is? Who, who do we think we are? Well, what does the Bible tell us we are? Who does God say we are? Who does God think we are? We are, first of all, a spiritual house. A spirit-dominated house. An eternal dwelling place for the spirit of God. Verses 5 and verse 9. What makes us distinctively different from every other organization in the world is this. We are a spiritual house. It is so well described by by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Now a temple was always the place that advertised the God that allegedly dwelled within it. The Romans had lots of Temples, the Greeks had lots of temples and, and these were temples to their gods and these temples housed, allegedly housed gods. Paul says, and Peter is saying here, you are the house of God. You are the spiritual house. You are God's temple. Now, now think what this sounded like to Jewish ears of the day. Uh, This was written, as I said earlier in the series, around maybe early 60 AD. The temple was still standing in Jerusalem. And and Paul and Peter in boldness are saying to the church of Jesus Christ, you are the spiritual house. This was stunning. While the temple was yet standing, Paul and Peter are announcing that God is moving. God is moving out of that physical temple he is moving into you and me wow that's what this is this is saying to this is and and he's going to go on and talk to us here about spiritual formation what we're calling discipleship or spiritual formation they're they're synonymous the idea of of this spiritual house that is being spiritually built because God is renovating his house, shaping his house so that he can dwell, the Spirit of God can dwell in it eternally. He shapes us to, to become his house, to be his house. He imposes upon us his residential preferences. Just like the the programs on TV that are that show uh, the, the building of the houses in Ephesians. Um In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the reason is given. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that, the reason, Christ may dwell in your hearts Through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. In other words, literally, God is renovating our lives so that Christ may dwell through the Spirit richly in us, comfortably in us. God is getting out. If you're wondering what's happening in your life, you know, as new believers come to know Christ, they're like, what is happening? My world is turning upside down. Things used to be so easy for me and now it's like, what is going on? You're under construction. We are under construction, trying to understand what's going on in the circumstances around us. God is his sander out, he's got his chisels out, he's, he's painting us and grinding on us and, 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 and he's got his grinder out and if we're wondering what's happening, God is absolutely rebuilding us. There, there should be like yellow tape around us. We're under construction. This spiritual building, the living, we are living, it says literally here, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house for God, livable by the Spirit of God, shaped to fit in. You were chosen before the foundation of time and you were planned to be shaped so that you would fit in exactly where and how god wants you to be in his spiritual house you are a planned part of the very fabric of god's permanent residence god is building a house what's god up to peter says god is building himself a house we are living stones but not only that we're a Notice in the text in verse 4, we are a holy priesthood. I want to talk a little bit more about that later. So I'm going to save the description of that for for verse 9 and later. Uh, But we are a holy priesthood for what purpose? Notice the text. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If you want to understand your job description, why did Jesus save you? Why are you included in this? Why are you part of this spiritual house? It is right here. This is the reason. This is what we are all about. This is who we are. Who do we think we are? This is who we are. We are holy priests offering spiritual sacrifices, therefore sacrifices that are dominated by the spirit that then become acceptable to God. Not just anything we do is acceptable to God, But those things that are driven by the Spirit of God in our lives are those things that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, what kind of examples can we give? Because we we aren't born again, by the way, fitting in. We are misshaped by sin. Things have to change. But in a world of religious futility, you and I were selected, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you come to know him, you've been born again, you and I are selected to become acceptable residences of God. Together combined as an acceptable residence of God. Let that sink in. My life, your life, our pathetic lives, our sin Full lives, our our, uh, minimally gifted lives, our minimally talented lives, our our, uh, limited status in this world lives, are intentionally chosen by God to fit and be shaped and renovated to be the permanent dwelling of the Spirit of God, so that we are able to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. We were made to worship. Uh, Well, let me give you some examples. For instance, um, Romans 12, um, 1 and 2 in terms of spiritual sacrifice. What are they, the, we're, the question, what are they? We, we need to follow the aroma of these sacrifices through the New Testament. Romans 12, uh, therefore I urge you brothers in view of, the, of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. So what is a sacrifice acceptable to God? Your body, when it is dominated by the spirit of God, when, uh, like Paul writes uh, um, in 1 Corinthians 10:31, whether we eat or whether we drink or whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. When whatever you are doing physically is for the glory of God, you are offering a spiritual sacrifice as a holy priest to God that is acceptable to him. Whenever you're doing something physical that is not bringing glory to God or is dishonoring God in any way, you are not offering a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. So anything, you can do anything physically that brings glory to God and if it is bringing glory to God and it's, and it's a fueled and empowered by the spirit of God, according to the word of God, you are bringing glory to God. It's, an, it's, an, it's, a, it's a sacrifice acceptable to God. Look in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of Praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name in our singing, in our evangelizing, in our speaking in the name of Christ, the good things of Christ. We are offering a sacrifice. Look at verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So the offer of praise, the offer of thanksgivings, uh, offers of, uh, uh, of good sharing with others, These are all things that are acceptable to God. In Philippians chapter four, verse 18, I have received full payment. when, When Paul received an offering from believers, I've received full payment and even more, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And we, we could find other things, but things through the power of the Spirit to show the character and person of Christ and the, to the glory of Christ are spiritual sacrifices offered from Christ, through Christ, for Christ. Everything physically that brings glory to God, praise and thanksgiving, giving and sharing with others and acts of love, these are all why we exist, why we've been brought into the family of God. This is the house that God dwells in, in the headquarters of worship. Holy priests, all of us sacrificing. Spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. But so theref- then we need, it begs the question how are we built? How, how, how are we, in fact, built? Notice in verse 4 as you come to him. Referring to Jesus Christ. As you come to Him, originally coming to Him for faith, to believe, be born again, as He drew you to Himself, but coming to Him over and over and over and over again, continually approaching Him, continually coming to Him, the living stone. Secondly, we are led by the best. Uh, rejection by men is not the standard by which God values things. Notice the text. The living stone rejected by men. <laughs> you know, uh, new believers often saying, I don't know if I joined the right team. This feels like the losing team. Uh, my life is just turned upside down. People hate Jesus. People don't believe in God. I, I, I'm wondering, like the vast majority, the, if, if we're talking about the democratic vote per, uh, issue here, uh, the, the masses vote against God. They vote against Jesus. He's the one that reject. Peter says, Yeah, that's that's right. As you come to him, the living stone, yeah, he's the one rejected by men. But chosen by God and precious to him. The world is clueless and spiritually insensitive. But p- Peter here is talking about the reality of the universe. There is a living stone. He constantly wants to upsell and, 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 and make sure that we know and remember that Jesus is a living God. Not a God who was crucified and, and buried and stayed in the grave. But a God that rose again. Jesus Christ is alive. A living stone. And, and when he thinks about stone, of course, who better to talk about stones than Petros? Petros, renamed by Jesus. He was Cephas and Simon and, and uh, Jesus said, I'm gonna call you Petros, Peter, the little pebble. And, and little pebble here is saying, I'm writing to you about the, the big rock, the, the rock, the living stone, the immovable. And, and throughout the Old Testament, this to a, to a, a Jewish audience talking about the rock, To a, a church audience that's been familiar with their bibles for all these years when we start talking stone when we start talking rock we know who we're talking about we're talking about the immovable one the unchangeable one the one of security the one who keeps us sure the reliable one the dependable one our shelter our refuge our rock god almighty This is a great statement of divinity. The living stone, that's who you come to. The rock, Jewish people listen to Peter. That rock, God, uh, indisputable in the description of, in the scriptures. Jesus Christ is that rock. In uh, Isaiah, which is the text he's referring to here, Isaiah 8 and Isaiah uh, Isaiah 28 and, 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 and 8, he's talking here about um, th- this great and marvelous God. And um, in verse 13 of, uh, of 8, chapter 8 of Isaiah, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary, but for both houses of Israel will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. For the people of Jerusalem, he'll be a snare and a trap. And and Peter's reminding them, listen, you you see people rejecting the living stone. Listen, the context of Isaiah here is a rejection of God. The the mass of humanity rejecting God is not a new thing. It doesn't tell you that you're on the wrong team. In fact, it it really tells you you're on the right team. In uh, 28, chapter 28, Uh, of uh, Isaiah 16, verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts in it will never be dismayed. Uh, Peter is reminding them that this is the Old Testament being fulfilled. Jesus is that rock, the living stone, but you have to come to him and you have to keep coming to him. If you don't come to him, all bets are off. And notice how the living God, the Spirit of God, led Peter to state that this living stone not only is chosen by God, but is precious to God. Precious to God. The God of all the treasures of the universe regards Christ, treasures Christ as precious. Think about that. The God of all the treasures of the universe chooses to identify and treasure Christ as precious. That ought to instruct our attitude toward Christ. So how can we treasure him? How, should we, how do we know how to treasure him? He's already stated here. You have tasted that the Lord is good. You know... Um, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like changing my diet. I hardly like, ever like to change my diet. Back in the old days, I, was, uh, I would only eat what my father ate. If my father didn't like something, I automatically didn't like it because he didn't like it. I never bothered to taste it. A couple of things he didn't like, he didn't, he didn't like pizza, he didn't like Chinese food. So for years, until I was probably a teenager, I never ever tasted any of that food. But one day I started hanging around with friends and they took me out for pizza. I said, I don't like pizza. Oh, you ever tasted it? No, I haven't tasted it. I fell in love with pizza. It's one of my favorite things. Taste and see that it's good. And so it is with us. We've, we've encountered Jesus. We've tasted him. And, and by the way, Chinese food, the same thing. I love it. We, we've tasted him and, and we see that he's good. And, 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 and how do you do that? You get to know him by craving The word of God, like spiritual milk, like a baby craves milk. You continue to read and you encounter Jesus and that tasting of him, you, you go deeper and you encounter him and you crave him more and as you drink more deeply of Christ, you crave him even more because the goodness of Christ that you encounter here attracts you to more and more of him. You can't get enough and you become strong. You become very strong. As you continue to consume the word of God, tasting that God is so good and his word is so amazing and it draws you deeply into him. In fact, there's a marker here in verse seven that declares who we are and how we are distinctive. Look at it, verse seven, chapter two. Now to you who believe, is that you? Is that me? Well, here's what we're like if it is, this stone is precious. That's a marker. Underline that. That's a marker right there. That's, put, put asterisks and stars around that verse. Go to that verse and look. To you who believe. If you believe. If you're really a believer. If you're really a believer. This living stone, Jesus Christ, is precious to you. Why? Why? Peter writes here these Old Testament scriptures to make certain that his New Testament theology is sourced in Old Testament theology, these Isaiah texts. But it's a continual reminder to us of something very, very important emotionally. Why is Jesus so precious to us? Because, look at the verse, verse 6 the one who trusts in him will never be disappointed why is Jesus so precious because we'll never be disappointed you can't lose and those who are against him the forces that are against him can't win you know if you ask the question am I on the winning or the losing team brother and sister if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you are absolutely on the winning team and you can never ever lose Say, well, you know, I've been disappointed. Yeah, you've maybe been disappointed. You've been disappointed by a pastor. Maybe you've been disappointed by a church. You've been disappointed by a really close Christian friend. There's there's a whole lot of carnage out there, unfortunately, who've been disappointed by people. And some of them have wandered away from the faith because for some reason we put our eyes on the wrong things, on the people, on the church, on pastors, on leaders, on, on, on whatever, on family Our eyes are to be fixed on the one who will never disappoint. That's the living stone. He will never disappoint you. Not ever. I I always ask people, has Jesus ever disappointed you? No, Jesus has never disappointed me. Put your trust in him. He will never disappoint you. Rejection of the masses of people uh, can't ruin ever what you have. Doesn't matter how many people reject Jesus. Doesn't matter how many people line up to hate this church hate Christians, fight against us. We can't lose, we can't lose. We will win always because Jesus will never allow us to be disappointed, he doesn't disappoint us. And he's called here the cornerstone, the capstone, all of human history is required to line up from Jesus out. The rejection of Jesus, by the way, didn't change God's redemption plan one tiny bit. In fact, the rejection of Jesus Christ expedited God's victory through Christ. Attempts to change Jesus as the cornerstone, as the marker, as the capstone, continue with futility. Uh, Those out there trying to change A.D. and B.C., you know... Before Christ and after Christ, and you, well, Let's make it before the common area and the com, the common era. <laughs> they haven't changed one tiny thing. They may have removed Christ's name from the thing, but but it's still the marker is still Jesus. The common area be, era begins at Jesus. You can't change that. The constant reminder is to those who reject Him can never win ever. He's, because the stone that the builders rejected, that stone causes men to stumble, verse eight here, and it's a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. They they refuse the gospel that can bring them to salvation. And it is an eternal reminder to all of us that you can't get to God by your own works, by your own self-righteousness. You will trip and fall and stumble over Jesus and not get there. You either bow before him and receive him as your king and savior, or you fall over him and stumble over him and can't make your way to God. A rock of offense, a permanent reminder. You can't stand before God unless you stand in Christ. And they can never choose those who, who reject him, it says, which is, is also what they are were destined for. You can never choose what you never, ever desired. And you will never desire something that you do not receive a taste for. And you will never receive a taste for Christ unless you turn to him and receive him as your savior. And then your desires change. Well, there's one last glorious section I want to look at with you this morning. Who makes up this spiritual house? I said I deferred that, the issue of the priesthood and all. Who makes up this spiritual house? It's not just a dwelling place of God. It is that, but it's an active place. It's a, an engaged place. There's active participants. There's worshipers. This place is the multi-flavored. Look, look at verse 9. But he, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Oh, oh, how the church needs to hear this. Oh, how our world needs to hear this. What God offers to us is a multi-flavored chosen race, an end to racial tension in order to spread all of this treasure to the nations, Listen to what he writes in, in, listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Um, Paul knows something about warring factions. Paul knows something about racism. This is written, in fact, to Jews and Gentiles who were racist enemies. That's what this is all about. That's what the context of this is. This persecution that's going on is, is, is racist. It's Gentiles against Jews. Jews converting to Christianity. Jews against Jews. Gentiles against Jews. But listen to what Paul writes for us in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14. Uh, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. They call for peace now. You can't have peace by systemic change. You can't have peace by a political change. You can't have peace by social change. Peace only comes from a Jesus change, a a Jesus craving people for he himself is our peace who has made the two one. Warring factions will never come together but through Jesus Christ and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the, the law with his commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the father by one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household regardless of your ethnicity regardless of your nationality regardless of your race or kind and yes race is a word in the bible chosen race, kind of humanity, different kinds. Mark chapter 7 verse 26, a woman, uh, a a Syrophoenician of the Syrophoenician race or kind. Acts 7, uh, 19, Pharaoh took advantage of our race. Stephen preaches in his sermon of our race or our kind. We are a chosen kind of people, a holy nation, a chosen genos, which is translated race or kind. In the human reality, there are many kinds. In the holy nation, and ethnos, there are many nations, there are many peoples, laos. But in Christ Jesus, all of that is brought together in peace and harmony so that this spiritual household is made up of many human kinds, many human nations, uh, many human peoples in harmony and unity together because we are chosen by God, a crave Jesus race, a new people group, this spiritual house, a people so dominated by our craving for Jesus Christ that there's no room, no sense to envy and uh, mistreating one another. We already have in Christ Jesus the best that there is. There is nothing better for us we mistreat one another in this from this household that's symptoms of a malnourished heart symptoms of under underdeveloped cravings but we are this is about evangelism beloved this is god's solution to racism it's jesus it's the jesus kind to proclaim, it says here, the excellencies of the one who brought us out of darkness into the wonderful light. We are a royal priesthood. Uh, we're, we're not just a, a, a kind put together into this new Jesus kind, but, but we are the unimaginable. We are, we, are, we are royalty, religious royalty, a royal priesthood. We are, uh, when, when the Jews heard this language, I mean, they, they had no hopes. If you weren't in the right lineage, you weren't in the right family, you had no hopes of ever being royalty. And they dreamed of the idea of what it would be like to be in the line of King David. What would it be like to be? But because, that's an, because being royal is an inherited thing. It's a lineage thing. The, the Gentiles would know it was an emperor thing. It was a, 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 a Roman emperor thing. But by adoption, we have been adopted by the king of kings so that we are now royalty. We are therefore in a royal house. If you ever wanted to be royal, you're royal if you know Jesus Christ. You are are as high as it gets in terms of humanity. We are the highest status of human beings in the status of Christ followers. But not only that, we are priests. That means everyone. Back in the day, of course, with the Jews, the priests were of a special group. They were of a special family. People looked at them and longed to be them and realized how, how great that would be. They had direct access to God. The priest had direct as- access to God. Imagine having direct access to God, what that would be like. If, you know, if, if any of you have like some famous friend or something and that friend gives to you access to their cell phone, like that's really something. You want to tell people, hey, look at, look at this. I, I got the cell phone number of, of, of that r- important person right there. God has given us his cell number. We have access to the living God and we are priests. We are equal equal to one another. Equal royal priests in one race. The crave Jesus race of humanity. It's glorious. It's awesome. Love, don't settle for anything different than this. Don't settle for a thing different than this. That's why he says, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, they they don't get you. They reject everything about this. And your life is in turmoil because God is working on you, fitting you as a living stone into his spiritual house. So cooperate with him. Abstain from evil desires. Live such a good life among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. They may see. The evidences of being a living stone offering acceptable sacrifice to God and glorify God on the day he visit us. Because once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were in darkness, but now you're in his wonderful light. Let the world know by how you live. What a glorious ride this Christian reality truly is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the, the glories of your word, the picture of who we are as spiritual household, royal priests, equal with one another, equal kings, kings and priests, offering acceptable sacrifices through the spirit of God to the glory of Jesus Christ, to the profound viewing of others who will see the glories of God in us. Say, I don't understand all of that. I don't get it. But whatever those people have, I need it. I want it. I want that. I want that for my life. Lord God, do that. I want that. I want that. Lord, make us crave more of the taste of Jesus that we might be deeply brought into his life and into his heart and get strong, very strong, let us cooperate with the work that you're doing in our lives to shape us for our place, your plan for us, where you, where you always intended for us to be, the fit for us in your dwelling place, oh God. I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Well, listen, um, to those of you discouraged out there or wondering, about the rejection around you of Christianity and being undervalued and being ostracized, the masses of humanity have never, ever understood what is really precious to God. And God has defined him as Jesus. Not sure what the expectations of the church are, This text takes us right into the heart of it. We are a spiritual household of priests, royal priests offering spiritual sacrifices. That's our job description. That's what we do from Christ, through Christ, for Christ. We are not a social organization. We are not a charity. We're not an entertainment or theater. We're not a gathering to prevent loneliness. We're not a corporation or some sort of um, business trying to attract customers. We are an essential service to our world For the sole purpose that we alone declare the praises of the true and almighty and great God we are the only ones who can whet an appetite for the greatness of Jesus Christ we are the only ones who demonstrate light from darkness we are the only ones who demonstrate peace and reconciliation among the nations and we have to keep offering our spiritual sacrifices modeling Jesus praising thanking acts of love sharing kindness giving because that's what we do. And God is our house. That's who we are. And we are in his house. Now, my question that I want to leave with you this morning is, are you in the house of God? You can be. You can be today. By inviting him to be your Lord and Savior, invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior Why don't you repent right now of your sin? Why don't you realize that your life is a mess and not going anywhere good? And why don't you realize that you could be in this spiritual house, a king priest offering holy sacrifices to an almighty God who will never disappoint you. Why don't you receive him as your savior and your Lord? I pray that you will. And why don't you call in to the church and let one of our pastors talk to you about this or anybody for that matter who we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to do that. Come into one of our virtual prayer rooms. We'd love to talk to you there or simply phone the church. And now church, uh, let's make sure that we appropriately honor our Lord and Jesus through our offerings for all that he has given to us and placed us in this amazing spiritual house that he's building to the glory of God. Well, have a great week. God bless you. Love you so much.